The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... You are listening to part two of our episode with Pigeon John. If you haven't heard part one, where you hear the confession and the song it inspired called Dibs on Trevor, then go back and listen to that first, and then come back and listen to this, which is my interview with Pigeon John. Interview. 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 Who am I speaking with? Right now you're speaking with uh, Pigeon John. Uh, Pigeon John, what what is this song about that we just heard? Oh, oh, wow. Um, well, dibs on Trevor is uh, is about um, a, a young a young lady like in in her prime and uh, and and uh, finding finding uh, her true love like at the end of a kind of like a like a what do you call those things those. Uh, little you know ping ponging you know after uh different events and then uh randomly uh meeting uh the dude that you know became her husband and stuff but re- and and uh that's what the song is about yeah but but to be clear trevor is trevor the guy she ends up with no no trevor's the other guy no <clears throat> yeah you know no no i think the the night is uh, uh about couple of friends going out and then uh the the main uh girl finding the dude trevor being attracted to him and then calling dibs with her Mm -hmm. friends on trevor Mm -hmm. and then uh her kind of you know dating this guy kind of maybe falling for him maybe not but throughout uh, a couple of maybe a year or so it seemed like random events she she keeps seeing this guy uh and then uh at, at and finally uh kind of you know just uh randomly after kind of realizing or growing out of it i'm getting a little too deep you know mm-hmm. uh and then you know just walking off and going on to a random show and then kind of accidentally meeting her uh her man. meeting someone else you know her man you know yeah. so yeah is this that, uh... that, the video it's not a video game but it's like you put a little quarter in and you pull the <laughs> socket what do you call those things it, it, i can't think of them right now I don't know. I think the, I, this song, this song, and this story do feel a little bit like a, like a video game. Like a yeah, you're in your you're in your early twenties going out on the town video game because yes. uh, oh yeah. Also because the the song is like based around an eight oh eight drum machine and like a pretty classic eighties bass synth, which feel yes. very feel very eight bit kind of uh, original Nintendo vibe. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think describing it as a video game is pretty accurate. Uh, I'm curious. I yeah. you, you mentioned to me when you were in town recording this song that you uh, you had a longtime partner. Uh, is this how you met your wife? Similar story to this. You know what? If I if I had to like write down like write it down, it might sound like that in a way. You know, like uh, getting over someone and then meeting someone. You know uh just you, not trying meeting someone not trying and stuff uh and then it 
becoming a, a full life, yeah, it would definitely be a, a song. It would be dibs on someone else, though. But it 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 is funny how life works that way. That's why I like I was attracted to that song and how classic it was. Like that's like how I met your mom or how I met your dad. It's just we're all kids. Yeah, and then, and then it gets serious, and then here we are. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really cool. I I, I um. So in a way, yeah, definitely. How I met my my partner now, it's um, it was uh, it was just through like life cycles without us both trying and and then us both connecting, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So was she, was she in your life as a friend or something else before uh, you got together romantically? Um, no, no, she wasn't. She, she was, um, just like a, an acquaintance really. And then, um, we just connected and, uh, and it just and the rest happened. is history. Yeah. The rest is history. Yeah. The, it, uh, it was just like timing really. I think we knew of each other, but we weren't pursuing each other mm-hmm. at all. And then, um, I think when we were both like, um, open really, uh, we kind of just, uh, it just gravitated toward each other. Yeah. I played dibs on Trevor for a friend of mine named Trevor. And, <laughs> and one, he loved it. And it's two. He said, damn, I really wish this song was out when I was in college. Cause oh, I can just man. see this moment where this comes on at a party. And for like one song, everyone wants to dance with me. He's like, man, that would have been sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But he said this thing that I thought was interesting, which is like, he's like, you know, this is how stuff like this always works out. Like, what, like you think one night stands or something, or he's like, ninety nine percent of the times, nothing happens after the one night stand. And if you uh-huh. try to force it, it just goes like this. Like, obviously, it's a crazy. This confession was crazy because she ended up seeing this guy at work. You know, mm, like yeah. that was. That was the re- remarkable or the extraordinary part of this whole thing. But but this is just how it goes, you know? Like, you have a one-night stand. You really don't know how the other person thinks or how they really feel. Mm-hmm. You feel one way. You embarrass the shit out of yourself sending stupid texts or get rejected by trying to go on a second date, and then you never yeah. talk to them again. Like, that's 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 so common, you know? That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then how- they come, come back around. It's it's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that she's. I love that she runs into him socially still. Like she still yeah. sees this guy out and about. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, and he. They still have that story, and she's like, you know, mm-hmm. that that little feeling like he had. He has her business card. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we have our. You know, we have our little snap snapshots of when we uh, were ourselves, if you will. But yeah. I, I like. I like that. That she. Uh, went went through it and obviously you know was just like wrote it wrote it very naturally and and wasn't held back and 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 kind of made light of it versus uh becoming like a dark fantasy (laughs) yes definitely you know what i mean so it's really cool when when people ask you like how to describe your music i'm not saying like in a business context but like okay maybe you're you're meeting one of your wife's friends and they're like, what do you do? And you say, I'm a musician. And they're like, what kind of music do you play? How do you describe your music? I I I say it's hip hop. 
I say it's mm-hmm. hip hop and I uh I try to just stop right there because then I'll start and I sing and I play the fiddle. No, no, I just say I just say it's hip hop and then then I mention my influences of you know and then like oh okay cool you know the sixties rock and De La Soul and then kind of give them a little uh, better picture and then uh, but hip hop I love it because it encases everything you can do house type of music and. And all of it. So, but I do say, uh, yeah, I just do hip hop, and they they usually just get it, and then I just uh, add the influences, and then they kind of put two and two together and say, oh, cool. I I have two two follow up questions to that. So the first one is it, when we were together working on this song, uh, you were in Austin for two days, and in that time, we we talked a little bit about your influences, and you you mentioned De La Soul, um, <clears throat> and their music just became available on streaming. No, for the first time. Yes, pretty sure. So, yeah. so I feel like De La Soul is actually a a a, a hip a, a classic hip hop group that I think maybe younger people don't know about quite as much, just because mm-hmm. their music hasn't been widely available. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you can describe how their music has affected your music, if you can. Like, what about them was was it for you? Well, what made them so special? Man. Oh, well, well, for me with hip hop, like when I first got into it, when it was super young, everybody was crazed about, you know, the run DMCs. And it was it was like it was becoming, a, you know, like. A, it was without everyone knowing, <clears throat> in my opinion, I think it was becoming a little bit fashionable what you wore. uh very like guys on top of the game there's no loser stories at all you know and then when de la soul came out i think it represented me in a way the the sideline stories of uh the the guys watching this go all down the kind of regular um high school experiences kind of blew my mind they would talk about doing laundry and 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 normal things it didn't sound it doesn't sound like a big deal now but then it really broke the mold uh, and and really was like something I'd never heard before sonically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was deep into hip hop at that time, huge on, you know, Beastie Boys and Big Daddy Kane, Biz Markie. I mean, it was mm-hmm. deep in the 80s. You had Rakim. Yeah. You had the staple. I mean, you had BDP. I mean, you had Slick Rick. You had Heavy Bricks. And then De La Soul came out like a like a daisy. It was like, yo, whoa, put the, it was like a Uzi if you bring out daisies in that, in that time. Mm-hmm. But I liked it because they impacted the culture so much that everybody stopped. Um, they had to, they had this song called Take It Off and they just, they, they mentioned every name brand out at that time. It was Jordash or whatever, mm-hmm. but they were just basically clowning the situation and, and, and uh, asking everyone to take it off and not wear glasses or, i'm sorry not, not wear contacts mm-hmm. just be yourself it was a revolution of just be yourself um and and everyone can fit in as well so that really attracted me and then sonically it blew my mind because it was like it was like bob dylan plugging in mm-hmm. it was like bob dylan showing up and going electric and pissing everybody off and without a care you know, mm-hmm. it was like they 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 told everybody um, to uh, they steered the ship without even knowing it. 
you know, so I was very loving them. And then on top of it, to to mention Dylan, they sampled so much back then and revolutionized things that that was the first time I heard Dylan and a bunch of stuff was through them sampling. So it was like very impactful sonically as well as uh, socially as well. Yeah. You know, so it was really cool. Yeah, I, I think it, it's interesting what you say because because I think that they they told you uh, their music tells you to be yourself, but in a really uh, like approachable way. Like you already are yourself. You don't have to put in any airs. Not like not like discover your real self. Your real self is a you know flower yeah, child yeah. kind of thing. It's much right. more. Yeah. You told me that you're in Portland right now, and you used to live in L.A. Correct. How how was your how has your music changed since you moved to Portland? Man, oh wow! Or how, maybe would... maybe a more broader question uh, is how has like your your art changed? You know, like your your habits or whatever. Just how how has it been affected by moving there? Oh wow, that's a great great way to uh, view it. Uh, I would say it it's gotten like. Um, in a way, uh, more enjoyable, I would say, because I'm aware of it. I do I do more things in the daytime, sessions in the in the daytime, but also um, uh, it, the, it, there's more intent in Portland. Um, there's less. There's no billboards in Portland. You know, you're not reminded of anything coming out in L.A. You know when things are coming out, so you kind of move. Oh, okay. Without even knowing it, you know when Beck is coming out. True. It's yeah. on the billboard behind you while you eat lunch. It's going to influence you. Right behind you is Tyler, the creator's new record. It's on a building. That's going to affect your session, either if, if, if you think it or not. You know, that's why yeah. they promote it. You know, the Doors did it. Everybody did it, you know, mm -hmm. but that it's a different river, I would say. L.A. is a faster river nothing wrong with it it's beautiful i think it's a roaring rapid but no one sees it mm -hmm. um it's beautiful and i and i didn't even see how um i was um needed it so much you know needed the 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 city or was like my um muse if you will you know uh where i lived in the in the 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 uh the um sixth street and stuff it was it was just just my park and i was settled in it and i didn't want to go anywhere as well <laughs> i was near downtown i can you know so i think in la i was uh was a little more looser i, I would say and i was doing sessions but i i i might not have i i was you know just uh maybe how can I say it without uh I was more so partying and doing sessions at night, if you will, mm -hmm. and not not so much there. It was like we're partying and we're recording while we do this, you know, mm -hmm. but we're one, we're, we're we're not recording without the party. You know, it was more like that for me. So it's, um, it's, it's been a positive thing. It's been a positive thing to 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 shorten the, the answer. And it's been really cool because when I go back to L.A. and I uh, visit and I work there, I I um, I view it in a in a even better light. It's even more pretty to me because I um, whether I walk more, I slow down a little more or 
I'm just aware of how fast the river was. So now when I approach it, it's a fast river, you know, yeah. and, and Portland is a different, different type of thing, you know, which mm-hmm. is new for me. Uh, I like being in new scenarios. It kind of challenges me. Um, mm-hmm. So that it took the comfort blanket right off of me. You know, mm-hmm. L.A. is re- kind of loud and Portland isn't. So just the silence alone was like punk rock. It yeah. was like, what the f- what the hell you know mm-hmm. like what is yeah. going on the trees but i think that's um um making me go go more natural maybe i don't yeah. know without the billboards are the trees out here it's like yeah. they don't even freaking care what single just dropped i love that. they're 150 years old no yeah. yeah exactly but i i think like all is i love la and um growing to love portland as well uh because it's a dense city as well i just i'm just discovering it too so it's really cool i'm and and i'm thankful that i get to go back to la if i wasn't able to that much um it would uh maybe be a little little more tougher i would say but i'm but so far uh portland has been uh a blessing really to to me to kind of do music in a more i would say productive way you know what is it what you uh you're putting out a record this year at some point correct Mm -hmm. well yes what does it mean in 2023 for for pigeon john to put out an album like are you gonna go on tour are you putting out two singles and five music videos like what what does it mean for you to release an album man what for me it's it's um being thankful i uh that i and uh still uh, that i'm able to do it um for for this long of a period and then um because i'm 167 years old (laughs) 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 no i just like no i just i just realized like this year a, a group called freedom of soul uh featured me when i was a kid uh, and they, they, it was on like a a big label at the time, but that was my debut, and that was '93. But I never counted the years. As a young guy, I was just like, "Yo, just keep climbing." I was like, "Never." I was never turning back. And then until this year, I realized, "Yo, it's this is 30 years of being able to do music and being able that there's some ears that mm-hmm. are still open to hear." I think the longer I do it, the think that I become more. Um, grateful for it so that that's how i started with this album it's a little too i'm sorry to preach a little bit <laughs> so that that's uh or not preach just to get a little bit uh too too uh um i'm just gonna stop speaking right there so <laughs> gra- i'm grateful to uh have done it this long and then then i'm excited that the music is still uh brand new to me uh working with different producers and stuff mm-hmm. and how the songs turn out and and uh who masters it it's still brand new and then so anything that comes after the record is 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 um it's just uh yeah for me it's a it's a feat because it's it's um I, i'm able to i'm blessed to be able to do it you know so yeah that's awesome, man. That sounds, that just sounds very, you sound like you have a lot of gratitude 
for the whole thing. And that's, that's awesome because, you know, it's got, I feel like it's just the landscape's really changed. Like how long, what year did you put out your first record? The first so, uh, solo record was 01, 2001. Okay. So yeah, it's been over 20 years. Uh, and you, since then, uh, you put out a bunch of records. I mean, I, I'm just curious, can you describe some of the changes? Like, are you making a vinyl this time? Did you make a vinyl in 2001? Um, I, I made the vinyl um, of the last couple singles and the last album uh, that we did was a good center on, on vinyl. Mm -hmm. This one we'll most likely put on vinyl as well. Uh, Cause it's a, it's, it's, I think it would be a rocker. Just it's, 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 nice and concise you know mm -hmm. i think and um yeah i think that that uh we're dropped where we released one single uh, uh called uh, how it should look that's out right now and we'll be releasing um some videos and singles and then the the album should be coming out in the late summer we're hoping mm -hmm. and and uh, do you have the next one kind of lined up to do the one to do after this in your head at least have you started working on it you know, I I have an idea of it. It's it's like a um yeah, I have an idea of it. I do. Mm -hmm. You know. And are you kind of just uh, is your process that you're walking around working on your record all the time whether you're recording and writing or are you do you actually really sit down and that's where you get work done or do you, are you working in your head the whole time? Wow, that that I I do take it like a um song at a time. Mhm. Mm and then uh then it kind of makes it easy then i'm just working on the song at a time and then i do uh i turn around and i look at what what's been created almost you know with my friends and i and then uh i just just look for the cream i just look for what songs kind of naturally uh attract uh attract me the the most and stuff mm -hmm. um but that that's my process but it is like an um writing while like you said the first time um having an idea of the next record while uh this record is being done mm -hmm. but and then i'm de definitely doing some uh touring uh with uh with my friend dj uh and we'll be doing like a west coast tour and doing as many shows as possible on this run i hadn't toured uh uh for the last record uh so much because of uh covid we got to tour for like a month or so. So this album, I'd like to do more. And how many months or how many shows do you think you'll be doing? Well, I would, I will probably doing, probably be doing, and man, I'd love to do three months. Three months would be a really good thing. Like kind of spot it out here and there. Mm -hmm. Three months to promote the record is, what I normally like to do and uh, whether opening up or, or doing local shows or just getting out there and promoting it, letting people know. And then, uh, and then I love to ride on the road as well. So everything will kind of work itself out. How do your like with your fans, um, are there people who've been there since 2001 that you like recognize and you see, or has your fan base sort of turned over in a way? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I'd say fifty fifty. I'd say like the 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 uh the fans of the 
the earlier releases, Brainwash Projects in, in 98 and L.A. Symphony in 99 and, and then my solo record, I think th those uh, ears are still there. Those ears are still there. I think they listen to the old older tracks as well. I think they peep the, uh, the, the newer ones as well. And then I think since Dragon Slayer came out in 2010, it's, it's kind of opened more um, ears to uh that didn't know uh pigeon john before mm -hmm. um so it was like a, now it's been a blend of like the underground hip-hop as and then new ears after 2010 so it's a, a blend of both very cool and i guess i mean the last thing i was going to ask you is like i, I th something something i think people are always curious about who listen to this this podcast and fall in love with these songs it's like what is most of your career just releasing your own music or like what else do you do what else what was the other business side of of pigeon john like is it just performing and putting out your own music do you do lots of sync licenses do you co-write with people you know what what tell, tell me about all the, i guess what i'm asking yeah. is tell me all the facets of pigeon john the musician man I would say collaboration, man. Without even knowing it, collaboration. Um, all of my solo albums are, uh, they're, they're never solo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. There's always beautiful people that I get to be involved with, whether it be the artist that does the cover to the master, you know, the engineer, you know, the players, um, you know, so, so, it's like they're they're uh little secrets to me i'm like i present this painting but there's there's it's it's a collaborative effort so on my first record and and even before that i was always doing music with friends you know mm -hmm. and initially it's because of just friendship i think we're just good people when we're kids like hey i have some gold would you like a paste <laughs> you know there was like so we'd share stuff hip-hop was very like inviting like i'm busting a verse then you go and then after you then you go it's like solo 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 kind of vibe mm -hmm. and uh after that after i went uh unfortunately i would say went solo because i never wanted to go solo the bands kind of kind of broke down if you will i never pictured myself going solo. i was like that's an insane mission fool that's hard yeah um but i i think like collaboration i i just Remember that going back to my very first record, this artist, Jism High Definition, it was one of my very first collaborative efforts because back in the 90s, it was crew oriented, meaning you only did friend, you only did songs with your crew. That's it uh -huh. until you got good and then you presented your crew and then maybe you got a feature because I get along with that crew. Mm -hmm. But it was never like, yo, let's uh, let until the bands kind of broke down. And then I was like, I need a beat, dog. I don't have a beat machine. I'm a rapper. What am I going to do? Acapellas all day? <laughs> no one wants to hear, yo, I got a new song. No, you don't. Unless you have some music behind you. You don't have anything, dog. Mm -hmm. So, so I I went to, just kidding, but just in my definition, he sampled this Led Zeppelin movie four track just him and then he's still doing this to this day i just did one in january our mm -hmm. second song together i went over there and i was a changed man because i realized yo 
I'm like a surfer now. I'm not in a band. I can go anywhere I want and surf. All I have to do is wake up and surf, bro. That's it. If I'm smart. Now, if I start drinking and if I start, if I start tooting, Mm-hmm. then i'm not gonna be surfing dog i'm gonna be party i'm gonna be party dog yeah you know and yeah. then i might lose my surfing contract you know mm-hmm. so so <laughs> sorry uh, so i realized in a fun way because i was driving i was driving a toyota tercel at the time and i got back in the car with a brand new song and back then if you had a song dude you can get a record deal because just to have just to be that dumb to present to a song hey i got a new song called whatever you might it might end up somewhere you know so i just felt fun i felt um not power like y'all i'm about to get rich it just felt like all i need is me and my surfboard now the ocean is everywhere yeah. it's meaning like producers sessioners like co-writers you know then i started as soon as i as soon as that egg was cracked i started featuring i started being featured on anything and like everywhere i was like a graffiti artist sonically i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna be all city by next summer meaning i'm gonna be on your album his album their album her album my album their album Mm -hmm. and the and the next album and uh, that's all hasn't even come out yet i was always about like just and and then unknowingly learning from engineers and bands um, while I was in the sessions, you know. So I think I'm just discovering that too by answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's collaboration, man. Yeah, it is, I, I'm, and I'm thankful for it because it is like a, a team effort, and it is a sport, if you will. You know, it's like it, it's play. You know, it's it's cool. You know, when you're alone, it can get sinister. Yeah. Well, listen, man. I I think uh, I think I've got everything I need for this this interview. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention or add uh, here before we before we wrap it up? No, man. That's it. Um, dude, thank you so much for being a part of this, and thank you for you know just your time. And and I think the songs are great. I'm excited for the world to hear them. Thank you, man. Thank you very much for having me. Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Zach Catanzaro, Walker Lukens, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, Aaron Blackerby, Adam Mason, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX. The theme song you heard at the top was written and performed by me and Zach, uh, as well as Topaz McGarrickle, who played saxophone. It was recorded and mixed by Adam Mason. If you enjoy this podcast, the very best thing you can do to help us out is send your favorite episode to anybody in your life that might be interested. If you want to do anything else, please give us a like and a subscribe.